This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. is Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. I can uh, I can see some comments. My voice was echoing. Sorry about that, but I guess we are all good now. And um, well, um, I just am thrilled to be here on the airwaves. And it's isn't it just amazing? I am ten thousand away, ten thousand kilometers away from the UK here in Taiwan. It's five p.m. here on a beautiful sunny day. And today happens to be the last day of the three-week winter break at my school. And it's been just amazing not waking up to the sound of the alarm clock every morning. So where are you tuning in from? And I know some schools started last week. So tell me where you are and uh, uh, have you started this week? Or are you going to start tomorrow like me? Uh, And if you did start this week, I hope you had a fantastic week. If you're starting tomorrow, I hope you're ready and um, tell us where you are from and um, what's the weather like, what's going on with you. Um, well, for me, for my holiday, I, oh, I see Joyce is from Milan. Hi, Joyce. And we have Noam from Iran. Wow, we're truly international. That's amazing. Jess is from Taiwan, just like me. Cool. Um, So for those of you who don't know, um, Taiwan is a tiny little island in the east of Asia. And um, it's to the southeast of China, to the southwest of Japan and north of Philippines. Um, It's got an area of about 36,000 kilometers, which is half the size of Scotland. Uh, But the population density is three times that of UK. And uh, my holiday that I was telling you about, I spent a week, the first week, uh, traveling around Taiwan. It's a beautiful place. It's an island, of course, so there's a lot of uh, coastal areas, lots of beaches, but there's also lots of mountains. Um, The central mountain range is particularly beautiful. So uh, for my first two days in the holiday, I didn't want to see anyone. I didn't want to talk to anyone. So I booked a little hotel near a beach and I went for walks. And the rest of the week, I went biking with a friend um, along uh, county roads, among rice paddies. The weather was beautiful, sunny skies, mid-20s temperature. Uh, And uh, it was really scenic. And one of the parts was actually at the junction of the Philippine tectonic plate and the Eurasian plate. 
and uh, it was uh, it was just amazing. And it so happens that we share uh, Europe, UK, and Taiwan share the Euro- Eurasian plate, so we are connected under the ocean somewhere. Um, and uh, Taiwan also is has got. It's at the, at the junction of two or three different tectonic plates, and it lies on the Pacific uh, Ring of Fire, uh, which is the horseshoe-shaped belt around much of the rim of the Pacific Ocean, and it's particularly susceptible to volcanic eruptions and earthquakes. And Taiwan is at a, at a complex junction of different plates, and so we get a lot of earthquakes. In fact, the last one we had was just this Monday. Uh, it was... Uh, four on the Richter scale uh, here in Taipei, where I am. Taipei is the capital of Taiwan. And six on the eastern coast, where the epicenter was. Another great thing about my biking trip was that we could be maskless. No masks needed while we were outside. So Taiwan relaxed its mask-wearing rules recently and we can now take off our masks when we are exercising indoors or outdoors, when taking pictures or when engaging in water activities like swimming, soaking in hot springs, um, at the swimming pools, steaming, steam or sauna, that kind of thing. Otherwise, everyone has to wear masks all the times. In fact, we have to wear masks when we are driving in our own car. That doesn't make sense to me, so I don't do that. And I see lots of drivers not doing that. But when we were at the height of uh, Delta uh, cases in May, June, uh, we could be fined for not having a mask when in our cars. So, yeah, it's pretty strict here. But the people, uh, they don't mind. Everybody wears masks. Children in strollers wear, wear masks. At my school, all the adults, of course, wear masks. But even children from nursery to age four, they all wear masks. Um, so it's very interesting for me when I go on social media and I see a lot of people in the Western countries um, not wanting to wear masks and uh, really, really against wearing masks. And I'm not pro or anti-masks, but it's just interesting, very different perspectives um, about wearing masks. So that's a bit about Taiwan, where I am, I am obviously an international school teacher, and that's why I am talking about international schools on my first episode here in Teacher Talk Radio. So we are going to talk about international schools in just a bit after these messages. I am hoping I'll be able to play the messages correctly, if not being very successful with the music so far. Let's see. So we've got the messages, we've got our news, and we've got our two-minute tech tip coming up. Are you looking to take your...
clicking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the program for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The program offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Colin's Big Cat. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk. Teachers Talk Radio is delighted to support Winston's Wish, the UK's childhood bereavement charity. Winston's Wish supports children and their families after the death of a parent or sibling. They provide emotional and practical bereavement support. Expert teams also provide online resources, specialist publications and training for professionals. Find out more about Winston's Wish and pledge your support at www.winstonswish.org. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. Following extensive research into the importance of the early years, Oxford University has involved nearly 4,000 children from across the UK in three specially developed science lessons. The aim of the lessons is to educate pupils about brain development during early childhood. The SCENE project, secondary education around early neurodevelopment, is part of a drive to increase public understanding of how early experiences can shape the adults we become. Dr Elizabeth Rapper, senior scientist at the University of Oxford, comments on the university website, in the same way that we teach children about the risks of smoking or poor diet, children also need to know about why experiences in our early childhood years are so important for later health. Just one in four adults recognise the importance of the first five years of life for, for providing lifelong health and happiness. The lessons taught neuroscience of brain development and what that means in terms of how a child grows and develops, as well as focusing on specifics such as how a caregiver should speak to a baby to promote their language development. Schools in some regions are once again facing closure. Although this time it's the weather rather than the pandemic that is to blame. ITV News reports that snow and ice led to the full or partial closure of schools across Yorkshire. The closures were largely due to staffing issues as many staff struggled to get into school after yellow weather warnings for snow and ice were issued. The cold weather also prompted an article in the Metro focusing on the temperature inside schools as many try to increase ventilation to mitigate the transmission of coronavirus. The article reminds readers that there is no minimum temperature recommended for schools in current legislation, but that schools should follow all health and safety guidance to ensure pupils and staff are kept safe. On the official government website, .gov.uk, the Education Hub features a story from University's Minister Michelle Donnellan. The piece entitled, What I Wish I Knew About Uni Before I Started, offers the Minister's top tips around topics such as UCAS deadlines, maintaining your mental health during both the application process and starting a course, and advice about funding and the Turing scheme, which replaced the Erasmus scheme. The website also includes a link to the video recording of the interview. 
In further higher education news, the Nigerian Tribune reports on a regional conference which is investigating the impact of private universities on public universities in Africa. The event was held at Babcock University and has the support of the University of Texas at Austin and the Carnegie Corporation of New York. Professor Toyin Falola, conference leader, stated, We are studying five countries, Ghana, Nigeria, Uganda, Kenya and South Africa. The conference aims to focus on developing the knowledge economy and how it can be improved. The project intends to assess the performance of private universities and understand the impact they are having on public universities in driving up standards, increasing student recruitment and improving the range of courses on offer in all institutions. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Happy New Year! This is the first in a short series on the New Year's resolution a lot of us make and the effect tech can have on it. Can technology really help us get fit and healthy? According to the Fitness Industry Association, around 80% of people who sign up to a gym in January stop going in February. Can technology provide a free alternative? Now, before I start, I need to throw down a disclaimer here. I am assuming you already have a mobile device that is capable of running apps, therefore the cost of the device is written off, and I take no responsibility for any pain, both physical and or mental, that you will inflict on yourself. You are responsible for your own scaling and moderation. That being said, there are thousands of free fitness apps out there. The first barrier for teachers is time. School Week have reported one in four teachers working over 60 hours a week, so in a 12-hour day, where do you fit a workout in? If the gym's out of the question, what are the other alternatives that are time flexible? Let's start with some totally free options. YouTube is full of fitness videos and challenges from sit-ups and press-ups to squats and chin-ups. A more extreme example is Athlean X. This channel is dedicated to workouts with pro trainer Jeff Cavalier. Some claim it to make a difference in just seven minutes a day. This may seem crazy, but seven minutes is a lot more than nothing and adds up to more than three quarters of an hour per week. If you're more of a social media motivated person, how about one of the many fitness tracking apps for walking, running or cycling? Most have a free basic package and in-app purchases for additional features. If I use Strava as an example, a free basic package allows you to track your exercise, join friends, set challenges and meet people around the globe with similar interests. My only word of warning would be to ensure you consider your profile settings to keep yourself safe. Hiding the start and end of a walk, run or ride, for example, will stop your home being shown on a map. For most people pushed to time, this will be where you start and end your exercise. Also, if you exercise regularly at the same time, this could be showing the world where you're likely to be or when your house is empty. For those who want to start softly and just be a bit more active, a less intensive option may be having a step counting app. Again, there are lots of different apps out there. My example is Sweatcoin, a free app that allows you to earn Sweatcoins, a form of digital currency that can be traded in the Sweatcoin store for discount codes, vouchers, and even given to good causes. This is a simple app and can run in the background, so you don't even need to remember to switch it on. Finally, calorie counter apps are a great way to look at what is actually going on in your body in the first place. On apps like MyFitnessPal, you can log your weight, calorie consumption, calorie output, and also have the ability to sync this with other fitness apps, so you don't need to log your exercise twice. As long as you're honest and log all of those glasses of Prosecco, not just the first, you're rewarded with detailed feedback on not only your calorie intake and output, but where those calories came from. Whatever you choose to do for the new you in the new year, why not do a bit of looking around and see what you can pick up for free first? I'll leave you with one of my favourite sayings, anyone can do nothing. For a visual version of this episode, check out the TT Radio 2021 Twitter feed. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. All right, that was some great uh, tech tips and fitness tips.
Um, going back to international schools, so the concept and the actual international schooling has really developed rapidly over the past 40, 50 years. But what is an international school? An international school is a school that promotes in, you know, international education in an international environment. Um, and it adopts a curriculum that is not the same as its host country. So it could be IB, Edexcel, Cambridge, uh, international primary curriculum, or it could be a curriculum of a different country like the UK or Australia or US or Canada. Uh, and these schools mainly cater to students who are not nationals of the host country uh, but they are children of international business people, uh, people who are working in international organizations, foreign embassy, embassies, missions, or missionary programs. Uh, many local students do attend these schools, really depending on the schools. Um, and uh, uh, like in my school, you have to have a foreign passport to be able to uh, get into the school, but in many other countries like Thailand, you don't need that. Uh, local children can get into schools. So different schools have different rules about who can get in and what's the eligibility. Uh, the first, the very first international school, in fact, uh, and I was surprised to find this out, it sprung up in UK. And it was called uh, International College at Spring Grove, London. And uh, it existed between 1866 and 1889. It grew out of an interest in having a school where children of traveling parents, parents who would travel around Europe or from you know, one place to another, they could have a uniform kind of schooling. So they wanted these international schools to be set up so that these children do not um, lose out uh, from, from, and their education was not adversely affected from moving by moving from one school to another, from one country to another in Europe. And another interesting thing was that novelist Charles Dickens was one of the proponents of this whole concept of international schools. So um, that's the origins. Uh, but mo mostly international schools then started to uh, develop in countries in Europe, of course, but then also in Africa and Asia, where uh, where children of military personnel or children from uh, businesses uh, would would need some kind of schooling, and that schooling, of course, uh, parents wanted that to be related to. Uh, either the schooling of their home country or some kind of international education so that if they hopped to another country, they could their children could continue the same education. Um, Joyce Rogers says, it's very cold here. Joyce, where are you from? And we have Daniel from Ghana, West Africa. We have somebody from the Philippines, Christine. And we have somebody from Manchester and it's sunny out there in Manchester. That's great. Somebody says they love Taiwan. All right.
right. I'm reading all the messages. Fantastic. Um, all right. So going back to international schools. Um, yeah. And I've been working in an international school for about 11 years now. Pre, uh, before that, I taught at um, an Indian school where I am from. Uh, I am originally from India. And I taught in the local schools, the local after-school programs. I was an EAL instructor. So children would go to the local school, to their public school. And then after school, they would come to an, a language school. So there they would do their homework. And of course, parents wanted them to study English. Uh, so they would have English lessons as well. And that's where I came in. And I would do weekend programs. I would do summer immersion programs with these kids. Um, in English. Uh, and uh, I love the school that I work at right now. Uh, I, no school is perfect, but I just, every morning, I am happy to go work with the children that I work with. And it's just amazing. So um, without further ado, I am going to invite my first guest. And she is Jess Gosling. Jess has written a book on, uh, which is called Becoming a Successful International Teacher. And so she's the best person to talk about international teaching. And I'm not sure, but if any of you listeners are interested, um, you can ask your questions now, but I'm pretty sure Jess will be able to answer many of your questions. Uh, Jess is also, she's been an international school teacher and will learn about her journey in just a bit. She, she also writes for Times Educational Supplement, for, about, for TES. She's spoken in several conferences. She's an EYFS teacher. And uh, she's, I know her personally, and I'm so glad that she's here. Jess, are you here? Would you, can you call in, please? Here you are. Hello, Jess. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Jaya. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can. Yes. Hi. So how are you and how's your break been? Um, I'm really, really good. Um, surprisingly so for the day before starting back at school. So I think it's been a very restful break. Um, we haven't been able to travel back to the UK. So I think we've taken everything down a notch really. So we did um, a little trip away to Hot Springs for just a night, um, a bit of travel in the country, um, usual Christmas sort of stuff because I have a little girl as well. So we had some friends over, lovely Christmas day. Um, I did a bit of writing and some recording for a summit, but I let myself read a lot this holiday. So that's been fantastic, reading books again. I, I don't know why I stopped. So. I think I'm on my fifth book now, and it's um, fiction too. So it's been nice really to take it down a notch after a really, really heavy rush term, um, busy, busy term just before Christmas. So yeah, and catching up with friends, it's it's been lovely. Really nice three-week break. Yeah. Oh, my God. That sounds heavenly. That sounds fantastic. And reading, yes, what a luxury. We don't get to do much of that. And it, yeah. Uh, so, Jess, you've been an international teacher for many years. Tell us about your journey. How did it start? Tell us a little bit more about um, you. Yeah, sure. Um, so it started in quite an unusual way, I think, really, um, like a lot of journeys, I think, for people into international teaching. So I, knew, I was very curious about working in a school. 
Um, but I wasn't quite sure whether I wanted to be, um, like, go through the training. So I knew the training was quite intense. So I wanted to try it out, really, before I did the training in the UK. Um, my boyfriend at that time, who's now my husband, he wanted to really travel to Japan. So we thought, why not combine the two? And we saw an ad in the TS newspaper at that time, it was. And we went along to a recruitment event. And we met the head. And he said, just at the event, right, you've got the job. But um, so it was a very quick journey international teaching. I think we waited around three or four months. And then we were in Japan because the school year starts in April. But I was very, very green to the whole journey. I didn't research the school, um, what, like what I was going to be doing at all. Um, so, yeah, so that was my first. Um, I was an ALT, actually, an, uh, a language teacher. So we had to do a little practice lesson, I think, as part of that as well. So I did about a year and a half there. And then I decided that I needed something a little more because we weren't given any CPT or training. And I really was going into people's classes and teaching their class English. So although I liked it, it didn't really um, fulfill me, I would say. So we went back to England and then I was a teaching assistant for six months. And then I got on the PGC course in Leeds, which I did for um, the year. And then I did my induction in the UK. And then pretty much decided as I started my induction in the UK that I wanted to be international again. So that, that led me to, after my two years induction in the UK, to start investigating my options. And again, it was the TES newspaper, um, a similar sort of recruitment event. This time it was a, a group of schools that were recruiting across UAE and Northern Africa. Um, and again, I met... Um, the recruiter and got the job on the spot as, again um, for Egypt um, and yeah so that that was just a, a whirlwind really moving across to Egypt um, I remember my first impressions were just wow as in the school just looked like I, I can't can't even describe how amazing it looked compared to the small little schools I was used to in the UK like it was just huge and it had like Olympic sized swimming pool and um, amazing facilities so I was quite taken aback straight away um, of you know what the school looked like basically and um, I was really really happy because I was I gained a work-life balance back pretty quickly after the UK um, and yeah so that was my first position in an international school and yeah I haven't looked back since I haven't been back to the UK Wow, so it started in Japan and took you to Egypt. And I know you've been to Vietnam, you've, you've taught in Vietnam, and now you're in Taiwan. What an amazing mm -hmm. journey. Yeah. yeah. So uh, from all this experience, what would you say are the pros and cons of international teaching? Yeah, it's a good question. It's funny, um, I was asked this a while back, and I think I was really heavy on the pros, but I think now I can see sometimes some more cons just with the situation with COVID-19. I think that's been the biggest change for international teachers. So um, I'll start with the cons, and then I'll go to the positives. So I think that's um, a nice way of doing it. So the con, of course, is you're being away from your family and friends. And whilst this wasn't quite an issue when we could all travel really freely, obviously it puts a lot of people under strain now because unless you're fairly close to home or you're in countries that don't um, lock down, then um, you may actually have a long time when you can't go home. So that's that's a huge consideration, I think, for people now. 
Um, you can't get all your creature comforts, I think, in some countries. I mean, funny for me, in Vietnam, I could get um, all my creature comforts from the UK, like, and also France, because they had great links. So I got amazing cheese and wines for really, really cheap. Um, but in Egypt, I literally couldn't get any creature comforts. Um, so it's a good thing to research um, if you are bothered about those things. Um, yeah, language barrier, I think. It's also it can be a con for some people if they are bothered about that or they don't really want to learn the language. I mean, I have tried in every country I've gone to to learn at least the basics. I think that's quite important. You've got to be aware um, that certain things won't quite be as easy as home because you've got to get over a language barrier too. That's um, true. And in Taiwan, we can't read or write. Um, exactly. You know, Chinese is quite hard. And of course, speaking also, especially if you go down south. So, yeah, yeah. that can be a, 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 totally. you know, it can be a bit frustrating sometimes. Yeah. Mm. And I mean, it's well worth, you know, that can be a barrier, but you can look up countries that the second language is English because mm. I know in Malaysia that English is spoken everywhere, um, Singapore. Um, Dubai, I've heard also, you know, there's a lot of English spoken. So if it's something that's really going to bother you, you can easily look that up. Yeah. Um, as, a, I've, as I've moved into having a family, um, that can also be a little bit of a challenge because, of course, you don't have all your family to look after your child or children. Um, you've got to rely on more like babysitting if you're happy to do that. Um, so there isn't the option just on a Saturday to drive her to her mum's, my mum's or whatever, and drop her at the house. Um, so that that's a consideration. You you do have your holidays, but you know you're not going to get much. Um, you're going to have your family there too. Um, but though saying that, having a child um, and teaching abroad has been fantastic because she's been able to experience a private school with, like I said, amazing facilities um, and a really multicultural environment. Um, she's got friends from all over the world and I think it really helps children to open their minds and to have just fantastic different experiences to what they would have in the UK so there's a plus there as well I feel um, it also like I thought about this one as well if you really feel you need your own house um, generally when we move abroad we just rent so you may not feel you have the same stability um, I know that's not the case for all teachers some teachers do own a house but should that bother you? Yeah. Um, yeah, that can be a concern. Yeah, yeah, I know the vast majority rents. And speaking of children, yeah, it was, you know, when I had my kids, I have two boys. And uh, when they were born, each time I took a break of two years because I really wanted to be with them rather than, you know, mm -hmm. there was no family around to take care of them. So definitely, yeah, that's that's something um, to think about though though in some countries it's easier to find childcare facilities or nannies mm -hmm. um yeah in taiwan not it's not that easy but i know in some countries it's in fact easier than your home country most times yeah mm -hmm. but then again i always can't help turning them into a positive for, for my example i could be a stay-at-home mum, and in the uk mm -hmm. that wouldn't have happened basically we we were on we're both teachers me and my husband so the salary just wouldn't have covered it, I don't feel. So it was a real luxury for me to be able to stay at home with my daughter and raise her myself. And as I'm an early years teacher, that was really important to me to be there for the first years of her life. So, I mean, that's a bonus. If, if you are someone, and it could be, you know, husband or wife or, you know, boyfriend or girlfriend that wants to, to raise um, 
raise a child, then you've got that option, really, because in, in a lot of countries, you can survive on one salary, which we've, um, which we've done now in two of our placements quite easily. Um, yeah, there's... so your daughter was born in Vietnam, right? And No, so... no, she, she was, I was pregnant in Vietnam, but I did fly home to have her just because I was aware of, you know, family not being able to see the newborn. Um, I felt a bit more secure in the UK having her because I was in Vietnam at the time and the healthcare wasn't quite the same. Um, so she was born in um, the UK, but then she came out to Vietnam. So, right. um, yeah. Um, some people could feel concerned about the contract lengths for us. Um, like most contracts are short contracts. They can be between two or three years. If that was something that bothered you, prefer more of a permanent contract, which I believe the UK usually offers. Um, but for me, I like that. I like the fact that I only have to sign for a set amount of time. And that's what I like about international teaching, that if you do want to move on, then it's kind of accepted that you can because, you know, your contract is finished. So you can try a different place. And I'd say the, the final con um, would be you are because it's a private school you're expected to do all the extra things that teachers do in private schools you know like the, the extracurricular activities um there might be some saturdays that you go in and help with a fundraiser or a fair or whatever um so you you've got to be prepared for that and happy to do that um i say all international teachers are it's not really an issue but if you're someone that always wants to you know stop at 3 30 get home then that that might upset you that you have um, and some schools you know maybe you do one a term other schools you do it for a whole year or you might do two or three so that's maybe something to check if you're concerned about that especially if you have children yeah I feel like our schools become our community especially because we're mm -hmm. away from our families so it's mm -hmm. not that hard you know to go on a Saturday and be a part of a fair like Christmas bazaar or something um, yeah. or you know yeah so um, it's yeah it's easier if you were in your home country it's harder because you have so much more going on whereas oh, our lives yeah. you know our, our social um, life is around our colleagues and you know usually not always but often mm -hmm. that happens with most teachers yeah I totally agree and I feel it's it's really sad due to COVID that we haven't had these events anymore because yeah. I think it's a really nice way to informally chat to parents and things and just see the kids like um, you know not in school see them in a different environment um, yeah. and it kind of breaks down the barriers I think between teachers and and um, parents which they may sometimes feel so yeah, yeah I totally agree I, I quite enjoy those events so however you see it I see it as a plus but other people you know maybe I think differently. yeah so the pros, now there's a massive long list, so I'm, I'm going to just try and cut down the pros because, like you know, I, I absolutely adore being an international teacher. That's why I wrote a book on it. Like I really want to, to help convince people who are unhappy with teaching in their home country to, to get out because I was that person and I got out and just my life changed forever. So the, the pros, um, I've mentioned briefly work-life balance. So I don't think you work less harder. I wouldn't say that but you do have more PPA. Now this can mean your school day is slightly longer. Like I work an hour extra every day compared to the UK hours, but in that time I get more PPA. So I feel I can get almost everything done in my school day. I'm not staying to five, six o'clock. I'm not working on a Sunday, which is what I did in the UK. 
um, if, apart from like key times, like reports or you know, other other situations where you have to work a little bit extra at home. And to me, that's, that's, that's the biggest plus, you know, like you can really love your job with the kids, but you can go home and have a life. You know, your, your job doesn't rule you. You can you can have both, which I think a lot of teachers struggle with um, at home. You know, the, the hours are just incredible. The workload is overwhelming and teachers are stressed and tired. Um, so yeah, I totally agree, Jess. So back home in India, um, I know teachers take a lot of marking home. Um, I follow a lot of uh, US blogs, and I know teachers work a lot outside of school hours, even weekends, uh, you know, even, you know, providing resources, making furniture for mm-hmm. their classrooms. Um, a lot of it is out of their own interest, but uh, some of it is needed. Um, but yeah, um, I think mm-hmm. we just tend to, uh, and we are asked to uh, do way more sometimes than just teaching. And there's a lot of admin work as well. So that's mm-hmm. interesting. And I have the same experience as you. Um, initially, when I started, I d- did work a lot of extra hours. Uh, I, t- I would take work over the weekend. But just like you said, uh, for the for the last many years, it's mostly report times that you know I will sit in a cafe on a weekend and I will get try to get my reports done but apart from that I try to keep schoolwork at home minimal mm-hmm. yeah yeah no I agree um, I don't know if it's because I've been in teaching longer but I, I do feel I mean even at the start when I was in Egypt I wasn't taking work home so I pretty much know it's the international school that, that gives you the time mm-hmm. to do that um, what I really love about teaching abroad, because I, I love, I've always loved travel. Like I was traveling from 16, I got on a backpack and I went away. Um, so <laughs> I love, I love the fact that everything is different all the time. So I, I used to always laugh about how you could walk down a street and you'd see something weird and you just have to go and investigate and see what was happening because it's not your home country. So everything is interesting and varied. You know, you can just be walking around a corner and see this like nice little I don't know, food stall or a different temple or somebody doing a funny dance. Or I love the randomness of living abroad because it stops life getting boring. Yeah. <laughs> um, I hear you. Yeah. There's, so, there's something new will come up and you're like, oh, my goodness, only in Definitely. Taiwan. Like we, we do a lot yeah. of hashtag only in Taiwan. And I'm yeah. sure for every country that you, yeah. Exactly. It's really satisfying the explorer in you. You can really. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's so great to explore. And I mean, the, the different culture goes over to the food, of course, as well. So that's great. Traveling around your country. I mean, Taiwan has been amazing for this. And we have a car. And it's the first time we've actually had a car internationally. So we've, we've gone to see so many places. Um, like, you know, there's a beach and a mountain within a one hour drive. Um, but we live partly on a mountain. So um, I love the exploring aspect. But also with the kids you work with, that's also very, very interesting. Like, um, you know, they're, they're, they're quite diverse depending on the school you go to. So I feel you learn, you become more highly skilled, um, especially in terms for me at the moment in EAL. Like I feel like I know so much and so many techniques on how to work and teach them. Um, and that, like I said, the CBT is just fantastic in international schools. Um, I, I really rarely got very much in the UK. I think it was the odd day conference here and there. And I didn't really find it very relevant. Um, and inset was really in-house, where the CBD, I feel, in international schools is pretty much what you want it to be. 
Um, our school at the moment is quite great because I'm early years and, and they make sure we have early years CBT, which is fantastic because obviously it's so different to primary. Um, so I think I've really thrived in that area because like yourself, Jaya, um, I love learning um, and I push myself that way a lot. So it's quite a big deal for me to have great CBD. Yeah, and I know you have been providing CPD as well, which is amazing. Yeah, yeah. well, I, I've been lucky to receive so much of it. You know, I think um, it's great to share it and pass it on and teach it. Um, so the salary as well can be, I think, is a big plus too. So I, so far in my countries I've worked in, tax has been covered by the school or it's been tax-free like Egypt. So I've not had to pay any tax. So the salary I get is fully in my pocket and obviously saving potential then is wonderful that like I mean this is particularly Asia and UAE so saving potential is pretty good I know the UAE is, is going down in salary a little bit now but definitely Asia is the place to be if you want to earn and save so I quite easily we have we both work so we quite easily save one salary um there's no problem so this is great Great and I know a lot people. of people uh, have bought houses in their home countries mm. uh, with the saving. Um, like I personally know of teachers, and it's really exciting to be able to do that at a young age. Definitely, uh, it really gives you security. Um, mm-hmm. And definitely, I also know friends that have gone back and done that. And where we might worry that if you work internationally, getting back into the UK market might be difficult, they were just picked up immediately. Um, because a lot of the schools now in the UK are quite multicultural. And I think the school was very, very diverse. And when they heard this, my friend who worked internationally, that was one of the main reasons he got the role. So it's slightly, it can, it, I think it diversifies you as a teacher, definitely makes you more flexible and adaptable um, and um, independent. And I feel you just don't need management, managing at all. You know, you can really manage yourself because you've really survived in a completely different situation and you've got all of that sorted. So I think the teachers are very, very strong that come out internationally and succeed internationally. Yeah. Um, a final point I'd probably make, it, well, actually, it's kind of two. <laughs> um, the community, like you've, you've talked about as well, I feel is excellent when you work internationally. Um, you can very quickly make friends and I feel they become... Um, close friends quite quickly because you're all in the same situation you all kind of want to make friends and I feel at home especially if say I were to return it quite wouldn't be that everybody's already set in their kind of family groups friendship groups from school so if that's something that worries a teacher about coming internationally I would say that should be the least of your worries because teachers generally are really kind to each other and they will go out their way to look after you and help you and and sort of bring you into their groups um which is another thing I, I really love and I'd say for me particularly I find opportunities abroad just amazing so in my time so I was a stay-at-home mum for five years but in that time I could self-fund an MA for myself and do that as I was raising my daughter but I also set up my own business in Vietnam so it was like an early years business, basically, um, and I hired the, the room, I set up the activities, I brought in the clients, and I marketed it. Now, in the UK, this just couldn't happen. You know, you, you need to be Ofsted checked if you're going to have kids like this, um, or at least a health and safety check. But obviously, abroad, you can, you can try these things out and see if they work for you. And, and it was a really great experience for me. Um, 
I really, really enjoyed it. So opportunities are abundant when you when you work abroad. And I often see like people who want to also um, rise up the leadership rank as well, do this pretty quickly when they're abroad. There's more opportunities for that, definitely. Great, Jess. Yeah, that's a really good rundown of all the pros and cons. So uh, you recently, I think that was last year, you wrote a book called Becoming a Successful International Teacher. So what prompted you to write about this particular subject? I mean, obviously, I can see that you're very knowledgeable, but like what called you to actually do it? Um, I was I was on quite a lot of Facebook pro, um, forums. I do like Facebook. Um, and I was reading lots of things about people trying to gain information. And there was often like, you know, links to a different forum or links to a recruitment site or and I just thought, It'd be really nice to have all this information just in one concise guide um, if you're if you're thinking about doing, um, you know, to, to go to work abroad. And so I, I thought I'd, I'd create something like that. I was blogging at the time and I did have a Facebook group called New to International School Teachers. So I thought it would just be a natural way of getting all this information together. So I didn't really initially think it would be a big guide. And then I just started researching I started asking questions across forums and with colleagues and I found out, yeah, there was a lot to put in the guide. Um, and I did share my ideas with my colleagues and on forums. So I got a lot of feedback for it as well. So whenever I thought I kind of finished a chapter, then I would get lots of feedback and then I'd add to it. So it was quite a long process, but um, I was very happy with it at the end. Um, I wanted it particularly to be really well-researched as well. I wanted to um, have people, you know, sort of argue with me on points or, or add to my points which definitely happened which was fantastic I also really wanted it to be very authentic and written by an international teacher because I feel you know if if you are if it's an article written by a recruiter or somebody who's say a headmaster that they're, they're not in the same situation as an international teacher you know that they, they may not have ever had to go and get a job themselves this way so that, that's why I really wanted to make it quite authentic for people. Um, I also wanted to try and keep the price point pretty low because when myself and my then boyfriend, who's now my husband, started out, we really didn't have any money. So I wanted to make it quite affordable for people as well. And I also wanted them to, to know as well about the, the Facebook page too. So if they just want you know free basic advice, there's a Facebook page too. And the book, book works in tandem with that as well. So... If there are any questions that come up from the book, people can go to the Facebook page. And how's the response been for the book? Um, it's been very positive, thank goodness. Um, I'm waiting for the criticism. I do keep looking at it. I, I've calmed down now because it's six, well, no, what, maybe, yeah, six months on from when it's been published. So when it was first published, I was looking out for, you know, negative reviews or negative comments, and there hasn't been any. So that's been a really great um uh, situation for me that the better readers um, gave me really really great um, feedback quotes which I've been able to add to my website um, Amazon have reviewed it all the reviews on Amazon have been great and good reads as well so um, people have found it very easy to use and easy to read and quickly to you know, quick way to access information they need um, quite a few people said they wish they had it when they were starting out um, which is exactly also a reason why I wrote it. I didn't have any guide and I did make a lot of mistakes. Um, and I would say by my third move, 
it's really where I feel very secure as an international teacher now and I know exactly what to do. So um, it really is a good way to help people, I think, on that very first leap. Um, I have feedback as well that um, it was, people who weren't um, UK citizens, so for example, American citizens found it really, really useful, even though it is aimed at UK and IB schools. The majority of it is actually just about how to work abroad and how to get a job. So they also found that useful. And um, several people said um, who are already international teachers, they still found a lot of information in there that was useful to them. So, yeah, really great feedback from the yeah, So It seems like uh, there are there is lots more interest and I know things have changed uh, for the last two years. And I know that there are some pros and cons of moving to international teaching in these times mm -hmm. but so we're going to you know we're going to go ahead and discuss some trends what's going on now but first mm -hmm. I would like to bring in Lydia our next guest mm -hmm. who's a recruiter and then we can all chat about what's going on now and what do we foresee happening in the future so stay here Jess and yeah we'll, we'll do Lydia, Thank you. and then yeah cool but we have some messages before we have Lydia here with us um and here we go are you looking to take your phonics practice are you looking to take your phonics practice forward then little wandle letters and sounds revised is the program for you Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The program offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Colin's Big Cat. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk. Teachers Talk Radio is delighted to support Winston's Wish, the UK's childhood bereavement charity. Winston's Wish supports children and their families after the death of a parent or sibling. They provide emotional and practical bereavement support. Expert teams also provide online resources, specialist publications and training for professionals. Find out more about Winston's Wish and pledge your support at www.winstonswish.org. Okay, and we are back. Um, so our next guest is Lydia Smith, and she um, she and her husband started a recruiting agency called Insta Education. They're based in the UK, and they have uh, and they have international teaching experience. Um, in China, um, in Guangzhou, and I'm not sure where else. So we will call in Lydia and we will get to hear uh, we, so that we can hear from her where they have been and, uh, you know, what they're doing now. Hi, Lydia. Good morning, Jaya. How are you? I am good. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. My pleasure. It's lovely to, you know, listen to Jess and read all the other comments on a Sunday morning. It breaks up my routine of childcare. So thank you for that. <laughs> That's great. I know. 
it's kept us busy this show well yeah i imagine yeah so happy new year so how how has the break been with you your family your kids how's it been now this new year this winter break yeah i mean we're quite the way that we work diana we are often governed by the the school holidays so it has been nice that when we do get the christmas break we do get a bit of downtime and it's quite nice obviously we've got two little girls they're five and two um our eldest daughter actually turned five over the christmas holiday um so it was just nice to have everybody together and and obviously being back here in the uk we've got friends and family nearby so it's been quite nice to have everybody together and, and celebrate although we did have a bit of a covid incident with my husband testing positive over christmas um, oh. yeah i mean if you've got Is he okay? on the, he's absolutely fine you know he, he 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 thought it was a bit of a you know a flu because the symptoms are obviously very similar um, but yeah. obviously if you've got an eye on the number of cases that's happening out here in the uk yeah. the, the best thing is to to get tested and it did come back positive uh, probably about four or five days before Christmas and so he was um, sent up into the our attic space here I mean it's an <laughs> attic but it is actually a converted attic it's lovely isn't there you know it, it's not four boards and boarded up windows um, so he was up there isolating because obviously we you know we had plans for over Christmas to see family and friends and so we you know it's all about protecting others and um, yeah. and as you know FaceTime was uh, a big player on Christmas Day. He was still up in the roof while we were downstairs opening presents. So it was, um, I imagine we weren't the only family in that situation, though, with it, with everything that's going on. But, you know, it'll be certainly one to remember, most definitely. And he was okay, not shivering with cold. <laughs> it was warm enough up in it's, the attic for him. It's fully renovated, Jaya. So, oh, it's, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know it's, it's lovely up there. So, you know, it was meals on wheels and snacks delivered yeah. by the children, knocks at the door, all of that. So, um, as I say, you know, not the most ideal scenario, but memorable nonetheless. So, all good. <laughs> and, and he's fine yeah. now, I will add, you know. So, we're, uh, we're back on track. And, and, you know, with work, I mean, we... As I say, you know, traditionally, if you like, we're governed by the holidays from the schools. Um, and this summer, obviously, when the schools are, are on, on, on summer break and new new teachers start and etc. Typically, that's when we have our, our downtime. Um, however, this summer, you know, we really did plough through. We were really there, you know, guiding teachers. There was a lot more rules and regulations for travel, um, a lot more testing, COVID testing, antibody testing, all of that to, you know, just to get on a plane and get the, the health codes to travel. And so, you know, we were very much there with our teachers, um, making sure that they were... Um, you know, calm and had all the correct paperwork. And, and yes, there were hiccups, as, as there's always going to be. But it just meant that, you know, we didn't have that downtime that we usually have that we use to, to plan, reflect and, and look on, you know, how we're going to work on the next 12 months, the next academic year. So we've really, you know, been nonstop for the last 12 months. And so when it did get to Christmas, you know, you've got to think about, you know, what's healthy for you and what's healthy for you and your family. So we did, um, you know, we have taken some time and um and you know coming back in January we have really picked up where we left off but you just feel so much better for having that break you know I wish I'd have done my reading like Jess but I just did not have the headspace and you know it's been I do you know I have come back a lot more kind of refreshed and, and ready to go because as we mentioned you know this year particularly there's 
you know, it still presents challenges and issues moving forward. But I think that, you know, it's going to be busier than ever and we have to be ready to tackle that. And, and if it's anything like the, the last couple of previous years, then we've just got to keep moving forward. There's still an awful lot of opportunity out there and, and we're ready to, to continue working with our schools and teachers. Yeah, I, I, I so agree. You know, there's so many things which are not in our control. And so all we can do is deal with them as they come. And I'm sure a lot of things have come along your way that you're not expected in the last two years. And we've all been waiting. This year it will be over. So oh, this year wow. we genuinely think it will be over, uh, you know, 2022. But yeah, I mean, the best thing is to just roll along with the yeah, punches. and Exactly. Yeah. Be yeah, positive. Wow. it's all about having that positive outlook, you know, and, and it, you know, life goes on, you know, there's still, you know, academic years still come, academic years still start, children, you know, education has to continue. And I think that, you know, that's where our kind of business comes into it with, you know, teacher provision, teacher recruitment, is that people, you know, like something that Jess touched on earlier, you know, people are still moving about, you know, people have been in further away from home, potentially looking at moving back closer to the UK, for example. So there's still opportunities out there. There's still going to be roles um, that need to be filled. And that's where we come in. And that's where we really haven't stopped since, let's say, this time last year, really. So it's, um, yeah, it's an interesting, an interesting um, space to be in, for sure. Yeah, so I would actually like to go back a little bit and, uh, you know, would ask you to Tell us more about, uh, you know, how your company came about and what is it exactly that you do? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, so, so Jaya, so my background, I went to university up in Leeds, didn't see Jess when I was there, but I'm, I'm sure we would have had a great time if we did. Um, and I actually, my bachelor's degree was Mandarin and French. So it was one of these degrees where you got to study and travel at the same time. So I did a year of study up in Beijing um, and it was the 2007-2008 academic year. And obviously that was um, just leaving Beijing was when the Olympics started. So you can imagine Ooh. that the... Yeah, an amazing time to be not just in Beijing, but just in China. You know, a lot of change. Oh, and, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was. And, and it was, you know, at that time where um, just before the financial crisis. So you could see a lot of development progression across the city, across Asia in general. We did do a lot of traveling, um, me and my, my friends whilst we were there. And, um, and then it was back to Leeds and then off to the south of France for six months, you know, and um, was stud studying there at a university. So I think that the whole idea idea of this this travel and seeing the world kind of stemmed from from that degree and um and so you know it made complete sense that upon graduation that the best thing for me to do was head back out to china um because there were, you know of course i'd lived in beijing but there was so much of the country that i still wanted to see and obviously having the language acquisition that i'd acquired through the degree it made complete sense to go back to china now i chose um i was um very lucky actually very fortunate to receive a teaching assistant job with the British School of Guangzhou um, arrived in Guangzhou in 2010 and um, completely kind of um, didn't think about the, the amount of Cantonese that was spoke there and obviously my Mandarin really wasn't used much so um, again you know picked up a bit of Cantonese which was great um, so, so I was in Guangzhou for about six years in total my boyfriend at the time who's now my lovely husband Will He'd done a year of EAL teaching in South Korea and came and joined me in Guangzhou. And um, and we stayed there for six years. Now, Will, he's the 
my husband, he's the qualified primary teacher. So he worked in the primary department for a number of years at the school there. I moved out and worked to it with the, the British Chamber of Commerce. Now, whilst there, we were cross-sector, cross-industry. So not just working with education, but it was real estate, financial services, professional services, etc. But, you know, my heart really lay in international education. And it was a membership organisation, Jaya. So, you know, we actively recruited organizations to join the chambers community and and, and offer business mm-hmm. advice growth communication all of that and whilst i was there you know the education industry we tripled the number of members easily within that sector because of my not just my interest in in the actual industry itself but because of the growth within that sector now that mm-hmm. kind of covered not just international schools but the newly opening bilingual schools the interest from uk schools um, and also you know organizations like uk university universities Birmingham for example um, Liverpool Nottingham they've all got a really large presence out in China and that we kind of you know have them join and, and we have this really varied and you know education industry sector whilst working there um, so I was at the chamber for a number of years and then you know in, in as I say you know Guangzhou Will and I were there for six years and it was kind of thinking you know where do we go now what do we do and and you know it's opportunity comes knocking and you know we um i was approached by a large organization to open one of their bilingual schools the, the group's very first bilingual school so different to the international school mm-hmm. um, and that was up in shanghai so answers your question earlier we did another couple of years up in shanghai opening their first bilingual school now you know Will obviously join the academic team and, you know, he will tell you about things, you know, how the curriculum varies from the the British stream and how, you know, you have to be very innovative, creative when it comes to working in the bilingual school because there is no, sometimes no set curriculum. So, you know, you have to you know as I say be as creative and innovative as you as you can. Um, But my side was working on more um, you know, making sure that we had recruited enough members of staff, that we'd filled the, rule, the, the classrooms with resources and, and everything and anything, really. And it was a really kind of roll up your sleeves and get involved. It was probably probably the most amazing experiences of my life. And I actually fell pregnant at the time that I was setting up the school as well. So it was all systems go. Um, but it was, you know, an amazing experience to start a school from scratch. And you have the very unique opportunity of creating a community. Now, that was something that we really used when we were you know, talking to potential new teachers who were joining the team, because it's very hard to recruit for a, a brand new opening school when the school actually isn't finished yet. So you can't walk through, you can't walk teachers through the resources and the facilities. Of course, you can show them, you know, in theory what it's going to look like, but it hadn't, we weren't there all yet with the building and whatnot. So, you know, there was, we really and you were recruiting these teachers straight from the UK or were they already in China? Um, all over Jaya. So, you know, a large number came from the UK. Um, some, a very small number actually, were already in China. Um, and then others were already on the international scene. So Middle East, um, some came from Singapore, Hong Kong, etc. So, um, you know, it was a really mixed um, bag of experience wow. of people. You been... know. Yeah. yeah. And... It must have been challenging because, like you said, uh, you know the facilities were not 100 percent ready ready and then but you wanted the best uh you know teachers for that school exactly, so exactly exactly yeah. and and yeah. you know yeah. and, and we really did put a lot of effort particularly from myself you know of, of of communication and nurturing these teachers because you know you 
they're they're leaping into the unknown as well to a certain degree particularly if it is their very first teaching international teaching role so we really did have to make sure that they knew exactly what they were going into you know you have to be honest you have to be transparent and especially if they're coming from the UK you have to say look it is going to be a different curriculum this is what you're going to be doing and um, because you know there's this whole idea of no surprises so you know we were very clear and and then you know when everybody arrived it was a really lovely feel and a lot of those teachers that I recruited back in 2016 are still at the school in Shanghai so you know hopefully I take some some comfort from that that we did a really you know a really great job and you know and once we'd set up the school oh go on Jaya sorry sorry I was just going to ask you uh, you know, especially for the listeners out there, uh, if they're looking for a new school or if they want, to, if they want to move into international teaching, how, you know, just just give us an idea of how how does a teacher find the right school or and a, and a school find or the right teacher? Like, how do you find the school is the right fit for you? Or you know, like especially as a recruiter from your point of view, um, how do you th- what how do you think that works? And if you have any any suggestions? Yeah, I mean, certainly the way that, that how we do it, Jaya, is, is, you know, as a recruiter, it's so important to know the school that you're working with. And, you know, we've spent a lot of time in China working with a number of different schools. And, you know, we've kind of, Will and I have got to the point now where we know exactly what each school is looking for. So, presumably when we speak to a person we kind of cherry pick where we think that they're going to be um you know happy and settled and and able to thrive um you know it's it's, it is there is an art to recruitment sometimes and this is what we're kind of wanting to bring back you know it's not a case of blanket sending um people's cvs you know it's about cherry picking exactly where that person wants to be and and we really have to know exactly what's going on in that school you know it's not just about curriculum it's about community it's about thinking well you know who's already there at that school age groups is there people there with families and look at your candidate and think you know how are they going to be welcomed into that community are they going to have a set group of friends that they're going to be settled with and and then you can look at the academic side and think you know are they going to be um able to deliver on you know whether it's they've got ib experience or is it a level or you know all these different factors that's that's quite you know that's the easy part i suppose it's actually more looking about are they going to be settled in that city are they going to be welcomed into that community and i think that's where it gets tricky and i think that's where will and i really like to personalize the recruitment because you know there's some schools that aren't the right you know each teacher isn't a perfect fit for every school it doesn't work like that and it's very difficult for a teacher to see that when they're applying to roles online because we're Will and I we're very um you know we're quite a privilege that we have the, a special insight a special you know kind of insight into what's happening at that school and if that person will be happy there so as I say you know yeah. there's a bit of a, an art to it there is a bit of a science to it oh, yeah yeah I yeah. so agree because it's not just um matching the job description to the person that's no. it's not uh, you know it's not as objective as that there's so much more subjectivity mm. um there's so much so many um uh, uh I would say subtle um factors that come into play um when recruit, I mean when 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 and and I'm looking for next year um I, I'm I'm considering other places so yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not easy 
And no, so that's very interesting that you look at the community and you look mm. at if the person will fit into that. That's and there's great. that element of trust no. as well. You know, we're working with schools that we've worked with ourselves, that we've got friends or colleagues that work there. So there's that element of trust. You know, it's quite nice that, you know, we're sending people to schools that we've either worked in ourselves or have got previous colleagues. And, and it's quite powerful when you say that to, to teachers who, particularly if it's their first international post, you know. Um, so it's... Um, yeah as I say it's it's um it's so important to get it right and it doesn't always go right but you know it's if you can gather like Jess says you know do your history read the books do your research speak to as many people as possible because that way you know you've you've tried everything to make sure that it is the right country the right position and the right school for yourself yeah uh, so China has been in the news uh, recently for its new laws this past September, I believe, mm-hmm. and uh, they seem to, you know, they have they have shut down private online tutoring and even bilingual private schools. Um, so, tell us your insider's view on what's happening and how do you see this play out in the future. For teachers, for international teaching in general, how does it affect? Are, are more teachers, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming less teachers can go to China now. So how does that affect um, international teaching in general? Are there more, you know, yeah. Yeah, you know, China's a fascinating place. And, you know, certainly over the last 10 years since, you know, living there and witnessing it and, and living it ourselves, you know, we've witnessed so much progression, so much development. You know, it, it does still provide a really amazing location to be in an amazing you know area of the world where as I say you know everything is operating so much faster at the moment and the investment wise you know the schools that are operating there they're still increasing because they see the opportunity and I think that you know recruitment wise certainly from our perspective there's more jobs there than ever because the appetite is still very much there you know if you talk about um, and this is something that you mentioned earlier about the types of schools that are operating you're still going to have your international schools because cities like Beijing, Shanghai, Guangzhou, they play such a huge part in the international business stream, you know? And so there's still going to be a lot of international families, you know, government families as well, and bringing their families and allowing their children to attend these schools. There's still a huge appetite for the bilingual school as well and the bilingual stream. And, you know, and so I think that the the roles that are available is only going to continue to grow. And, you know, there's some amazing school groups that are operating out in China. They're, you know, they're really ticking all the boxes that Jess mentioned before about good schools, you know, community, professional development, salary as well. You know, if you're looking to save and, and, and earn money, send it back home, you know, China, Asia is such a good destination for that. Um, and so I think that China still re- will remain as a, you know, a really hot destination for those um, wanting to come in and, and, and progress. With regards to the new laws, honestly, it hasn't really changed anything for international teachers. Um, it's more about after school provision. Um, so, yes, so those providers have you know, been hit incredibly hard and it's been incredibly tough. And obviously on the back of COVID as well, it's just yeah. been very, very difficult for, for those organisations. But certainly the opportunities in both the international and bilingual streams, in my opinion, haven't been affected at all. There's still a lot of opportunity out there. And, you know, 
international global mobility still moves on. You know, we had an, a large number of people arriving out in China over the summer. You know, we're very privileged that the school groups we work with were able to secure the correct paperwork. And obviously we facilitated those outside of China with their paperwork and they, they were all able to get in the country. So, you know, it's, you know, one shouldn't be deterred for, for looking at China as a destination of choice, most definitely. Yeah, yeah, that's great to know, um, though I have to say that <clears throat> if you're in Hong Kong, Taiwan, China, um, there is lots more, um, you know, the countries, the way the government policies work, um, the way they are dealing with the pandemic, they it's quite isolated. So mm. like in Taiwan, we've, like Jess was mentioning, uh, she's, you know, she she's not going to see her family and I've not been back yeah. to India for the last two years. So it does hinder you in that way. But yes, the opportunities are great. The, you know, some of the so schools true. are really good. Yeah. And it's, yeah. And it's so, so funny, Jaya, because, you know, at the beginning of the academic year, we spoke to so many teachers in China who said, you know, I'm, you know, I'm finishing my contract. I need to go back to, to be closer to home, back to Europe, wherever. And then they look at roles in Europe and, and the Middle East and, it's, you know, if you are salary driven, then, the, you know, it just isn't the same as what you would be offered in Asia. So then a lot of teachers have now gone, do you know what, for now, I'm just going to stay where I am or look for another role in country and, and go from there. So we're seeing lots of different trends at the moment. But, you know, seeing family, yeah. unable to see family, as I say, you know, that's it's incredibly hard. And we have to be optimistic. We have to remain open and, and positive that things will change, hopefully. Yep. Cool. So now I have a question for both Jess and you, Lydia. Um, and what I want to ask you is if somebody wanted to start out, to, you know, they wanted to, they, they're thinking about becoming an international school teacher. They want to get out of UK or, you know, wherever they are from uh, right now, whoever is listening. Um, uh, what two or three tips will you give them on how to get started? Well, I'm going to leave that one to Jess. She, she's an expert on that, most definitely. Oh, yeah. Not quite an expert, but thank you. That's really kind to say that. Um, for me, it's funny, Lydia, we cross over so much. Mine is research the school. Like I say that like again and again and again, um, because whilst there are wonderful international schools, there's also not so great international schools. And I would say it's as important to research um, the ethos of the school and also check that um, within like Instagram, check their um, Twitter pages. Don't just rely on a website, I'm trying to say here. Um, see what people write about the school. Um, go on Facebook forums. So there's tons of Facebook forums like International School Teachers, International Teachers. You can just join them and you just put up, you know, I'm interested in a school. Does anyone want to talk to me about it? And often people would DM you back and they obviously don't really want to write it on the forum. Um, so I would research the school as my first thing. If you really think you like somewhere, just check it's all it all it cracks up to be. I've even gone to the extent now where I go onto LinkedIn and I also look at the deputy and the senior management team. Um, and whilst I used to think, um, you know, maybe you don't want them to know about that, now I actually think the opposite. It's actually good for them to see that you're interested in their school, but you're also checking all the people you're going to work with. So um, I think it looks quite proactive to do that. So. And then I might also message teachers. I might look on LinkedIn and see if there's any teachers linked to the school and also ask them their opinion. You know, what, what is the day-to-day -day like? Is, there, is this a family school? Just to check, like Lydia was saying, that you're going to fit into that community. 
often when you go on a website, you can actually check all the teachers that work there and you will see all the photos and you can see the dynamic pretty quickly. You know, if everybody looks like they're under 25 kind of thing, you know, maybe you're not going to fit there if you're in your 40s with children, you know. Um, so, yeah, I really would analyze the school. Um, then second step, you really think you love that school, then I would look at the country. Um, countries really, really vary. And again, this is one of the reasons I wrote the book. I moved to Egypt. I'd been there on a holiday previously, but to live, it wasn't for me. So the two years there, although I saw out contract, I mean, there was a revolution as part of that. So it was difficult anyway, but it wasn't a society I felt relaxed in or comfortable in or, or happy in, to be quite honest. Uh, my school was great, but I didn't like the country. So for me personally, other people love it. So you really want to check. It's a, it's a country you really can thrive in as well. There's going to be enough for you to do. If you have children, it's going to suit them too. Your whole family, if you have a trailing spouse, you might want to check, you know, are they going to be able to work there? Because sometimes you can move to a country and the visas won't allow your your spouse to do that. And that can be a real big problem for trailing spouses if they just have to, you know, stay at home um, and not have any career themselves. So that's my biggest, biggest tip. But a more recent tip, um, which um, I think is really important, is find out the COVID um, protocols. So by that, I mean, try to find out what they did when COVID struck the country. You know, did they shut down and immediately get, you know, all, all of the online resources out to the students? Did school carry on? Was it, you know, a bit of a hiccup, but they managed it well? Um, how did teachers felt they dealt with it? Or, you know, was there an entirely different situation? Um, for me personally, as an EYFS teacher, I'm quite concerned when um, schools um, have the children on the laptops for the entire day. And I have heard of that, you know, three and four-year-olds and five-year-olds. Um, you really want to check what, what they did with those children. Like, for example, I would be looking more for that there were a few Zoom meetings and then the kids were doing lots of active, like activities with the parents, you know, off the computer. So I think that's quite a new concern, but I think it's a really important one because I think inevitably schools are going to keep closing. Um and it's, it's going to be a fact of life for a while until COVID's gone. And if you are really unhappy how you're delivering your online learning, which, of course, is really different to being a teacher in the classroom, then you're not going to be happy at the school. So I would say they're my two top tips. And um, over to Lydia, what do you have to say? Thanks, Jess. No, and, and it's so, so completely true, isn't it? It's all about research. It's about reaching out to people at, at that, that school. But, you know, we speak to so many people who are looking, you know, particularly if it's their first international posting and they go, right, I'm going to, the, I want to go to the Middle East. You say, well, okay, well, what's kind of, you know, given you this idea? Well, you know, I've got a friend that's gone there and it's this, it's that. And it's like, well, actually, don't, you know, just focus on one geographical location. It is more about the school. Five days out of seven, you're going to be in that school community, you know, in that school teaching. So, you know, it's so important to make sure that you get the school right. And of course, you know, living harmonious in a new country is, is also important, but it's about being as open-minded as possible. You know, otherwise, you know, sometimes it's, you just don't know what roles and opportunities are going to come up in schools. So it's all about making sure that, you are being open-minded and looking and making sure that you know you look at all options and and do consider everything that can be presented to you and it's about what what you want you know we speak to a lot of young teachers who go I want to be in leadership 
And, you know, you have to explain that you've got to be within that school that's going to allow for that to happen, whether you want it quite quickly or not. And and it's about, you know, really just making sure that it is the right school fit for yourself. So um, a lot goes into it. And as you say, you know, it, it is to echo what I said earlier, it is a bit of an art. It is a bit of a science. Yeah, that's fantastic. And just to echo what Jess said, um, about you know the school that's the first tip she gave the school and um uh, yeah and i was talking to a recruiter and she said look look for the admins so you know you have to see whether they will support you in your journey and you know jess and i both we love to learn and you know we really want uh to work at a school where we can you know keep growing so that's that's i totally agree with all these suggestions. Just one tiny suggestion. Personally, I would like to add is diversity. Like I look for schools which you know which actively promote diversity. So you know that's another thing. If if somebody finds it high on their priority list, then that's something to think about when you uh, you know just you know when you do what Jess mentioned, looking at um, their website or you know even looking up the people who work there. Yeah. Great. And the last question I have is what future trends do you see emerging regarding the appeal of international teaching? Do you see in the next few years? Because I do know that, you know, the way our countries are, our own countries are handling the pandemic, it can get frustrating sometimes, um, more so for some people than others. But, uh, but then also it's harder, you know, to go away from your family so there's you know I'm, I'm i'm probably answering the question right here sorry about that but <laughs> i would love to know what you what, what 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 you think you know will be the future trends uh, regarding the appeal of international teaching thanks jaya i mean we've had you know so much interest still from teachers who are based this side of the world uk based because mm-hmm. you know it's been incredibly difficult to be in working and living in education whilst you know during the pandemic and I think that what we're seeing is that there's still so many people from here that want to go international that just want to get out and do something different you flip that on the other side and as I said I mentioned this earlier you know people who have been in Asia and had very difficult lockdowns they want to move back closer to home so I think those are going to be the two kind of biggest movements but again what I mentioned earlier is you know if you are people attracted by salary then that's where they might reconsider a move back to Europe where they aren't going to be given as much you know the the salaries and and often you know the package details and whatnot so I think that we'll international education is still going to be huge and I think that there's going to be a lot of movement over this year and I don't think it will let up anytime soon I think we're going to see these trends play out over the next couple of years as well. Wow. Okay. That was great. Anything else you would like to add, Jess or Lydia? Yeah. Something that's become more apparent, I think, and this is a big lure for people, particularly from the UK, because I follow that a lot, obviously, is how um, schools internationally deal with COVID. Um, So some schools, like I said, have dealt really well with it, um, really supported their teachers. They've really worked on teacher well-being um, and they've also supported children. So as I'm, I'm looking at the moment, I'm seeing a lot of um, schools that are prioritizing well-being throughout their school. Now, this may not quite be the case in the UK schools, like from what I read um, in newspapers and, and online, 
teachers under an awful lot of pressure and just feeling that they want to quit and the USA to be quite fair so you've got to remember international schools are private schools generally if they're for profit or not for profit so they have brilliant facilities so it's uh, I feel quite easy to go um, to blended learning and online learning the kids have the iPads so there's not quite the struggle I feel that there might be in your home country where you know, half your class might not have access to these things or able to do it. Um, so for me, you're, I think there's going to be a lot of people looking to go to really great international schools world over. Um, and also perhaps even countries that are dealing really well with COVID. And, you know, um, say, for example, Taiwan, you know, really, really well with COVID with you know, minimal cases, etc. Um, might be a big law for, for people in their home countries. Yeah, in Taiwan, we've had uh, two um, two periods of home learning. I think they were about six or seven weeks. But apart from that, we've been teaching on site um, throughout this pandemic. So it's been amazing. Yes, um, yeah. But just just working those you know those two small short periods of home teaching has given us a taste. And you know, definitely when you're working with younger children and. Uh, I think even with uh, older kids, that human interaction is so important and more so with younger kids. So, yeah, very, very valid point. Um, you know, how, how the school is dealing with COVID, it's really, really important. And your safety as well, um, the tech uh, support, as well as, you know, if they uh, really want to and they're actively working on keeping you safe. Um, those were fantastic tips, ladies. Thank you so much, Jess and Lydia, for being here on the show. Thank um, you, Jaya. Thank you very much. It's been lovely to chat with you both. Thank you. Um, and uh, well, I just I'm just reading over the comments. Joyce said, "Agree with Jess. Connecting with teachers on LinkedIn is really helpful." Um, yes, I agree. Yeah, that's really amazing. I I've gotten to know a lot of new people on LinkedIn and Twitter. It's just amazing. And and Jess has definitely been my Twitter mentor. <laughs> I was on Twitter for a long time. And then, you know, I've been more active recently and uh, she has really led the way for me. So yes, finding your uh, professional learning network on uh, social media really, really helps as well um, as a teacher in general, but specifically if you're looking for new opportunities uh, in your country or outside, that's really, really helpful. So um, with this, we are coming to um, the end of the show. It's been great. Stay tuned. In half hour, we have uh, the Sunday brunch with Graham Colum. And later in the day, we have Sunday lunch with Khalil, Khalil Roos. Khalil was here. I, I know he said hello. So thank you, Khalil, uh, for being here. And then we have the afternoon show today uh, with Dr. Harine Otiano and then the twilight show. We also have today is the second Sunday. So we have the late show with Tom Starkey and the twilight show is with Kaylee. So, so lots of amazing shows uh, coming up later today. And of course, um, in the next week as well. So keep listening to Teacher Talk Radio. Goodbye, and thank you for being here.
listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.